Let's go in-depth on all things Cyclones. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines coming to you on this Monday evening in which we now know the Big 12 will have at least 13 members heading into the 24 football season after it was announced that Colorado will rejoin the Big 12 from the Pac-12 after a, what, 12-year, 13-year hiatus, uh, Randy, for the Buffaloes out west. You know, there had been speculation, rumor, reporting that this was a possibility for quite some time, and I think obviously it was well known that Colorado was antsy about the Pac-12's both stability and television contract situation. It'll be interesting to see what kind of reporting and comments come out of Boulder now that the deal is done, if they're going to uh, be even more publicly critical or more critical on background of the Pac-12 situation because last I checked, the Pac-12 still does not have a TV deal. The Pac-12 is still has to be absolutely terrified of losing more programs to either the Big 12 or potentially somewhere else across the country because there's no TV deal and there is a whole hell of a lot of instability. But for you, Randy, what is the headline about Colorado returning to the Big 12? I think it's it's something to do with Colorado is the first um, – is the first team through the Big 12 door. And it shows that the Big 12 athletic directors and and, and um, um, presidents are continue to be aggressive in that respect, which they showed us that in 2016, whenever it was, um, when, or whatever year that was, when there was considerable talk that the Big 12 would would go by the wayside, but it didn't. Um, they, they, yeah, I mean, they were aggressive in, in the TV in jumping the line. And as far as the TV TV deal is concerned. And I think this is just the first, the first team through the door. Um, um, so good for, good for the big 12. Uh, I, I don't think it'll stop at 13. I think it'll be 14 by the time it's all said and done. Maybe not for the 2000, what would that be? The 24, 25 season, possibly not that soon, but it's going to be, it's going to be 14. And it would not shock me if it caps out at, at, um, at 14 with whoever the first one, whoever, whoever says yes first, whether it's Connecticut or whether it's Arizona, whichever one of those, um, says yes first. That's you know, and then what? And then who knows what happens if the Big Twelve looks like it's going to implode? Then, then here comes here comes Oregon and Washington looking for a home. So, um, those are kind of my my takeaways after you know after a weekend of letting this settle. Yeah, I mean, it feels very much like the situation that the Big Twelve was in two years ago, and then a little over a decade ago, where. <clears throat> If the right dominoes fall, you can see the entire house collapsing. And I think that's what why it was so important that the Big 12 
acted so swiftly to add the four that they did once Oklahoma and Texas were out the door because Iowa State really did go out and get, you know, probably the four best among the four best programs that the Big 12 could have gotten. They did back two years ago after those two teams left, whereas the Pac-12 hasn't has sat on their hands since USC and UCLA left for the Big Ten or announced they're leaving for the Big Ten where, you know, they've been playing, you know, footsie with San Diego State and SMU, but have never pulled the trigger. And now San Diego State has, you know, instead of, I think, a $17 million buyout, a $31 million buyout, SMU is kind of twisting in the wind. And do you want to join? I mean, obviously, if you're SMU or you're San Diego State, you join the Pac-12 almost regardless of circumstances, but you feel a lot less great about it today than uh, you would have a month ago uh, if pa- if Colorado was still in the league and you didn't worry about losing one of the other four-corner schools. And again, I think the interesting thing here is Oregon and Washington. You know, Do they look for a new home? Do they try to extract uneven revenue sharing in the Pac-12 to stay? Which, we, as we've seen, almost always ends poorly for a league. It's a, the kind of compromise that you make before the breakup. Uh, because the the history on that is not strong in college athletics. So the Pac-12 is in serious trouble. The Big 12, I think, is continues to cement itself as in third place behind the Big 10 and SEC. To me, you know, what comes next? UConn, the more I look at it, is so underwhelming only because Yes, I know the Big 12 under Brett Yormark is going to try to emphasize basketball more monetarily and make it more of a, a bigger revenue stream than it already is. And the UConn men's and women's programs would obviously add a ton of value in that respect. But none, you don't realign for basketball reasons unless you're the Big East. You realign for football reasons. And that UConn football program, like, why do you want to have another Kansas in there? You know, Why do you want to have another Iowa state from 30 years ago. It took Iowa state 30 years to climb out of that hole. Or I mean, 70 or 80 years, if you want to look at it that way, um, to be a functioning, you know, perennial bowl team. Now you want to add in the Yukon team that I think hasn't won a bowl game. And you know, who knows how long it's been a while. I looked it up the other day and now I forget, but it, do you want to add such a struggling program that then's going to not only that's going to have to ramp up from playing, independent the last few years from you know being in the AAC like you're you're taking a terrible football program and then throwing it into a worse situation all in the name of the New York market which that seems dubious to me but I don't know like to me that is so underwhelming even compared to like a UNLV or a San Diego State which you know I think probably has more opportunity for growth than a UConn team that we've seen, you know, struggle for, you know, two decades now in Division One. The Big Twelve has shown that it it's not against doing that, though, Travis. Um, the Big Twelve added Houston. Is Houston's football? Pro- you put Houston and 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 UConn on the football field. Who's going to win on a neutral site? Nobody can t- can p- predict that. Houston's not a great football program either. Houston's a great basketball program. So I don't think the 
and but and Houston also obviously brings a large TV market. But uh, getting back to the whole the to the football thing, the Big Twelve's already done it, and I, I I'd have to go back and and look. But was West Virginia any great shakes? <clears throat> excuse me when when the Big Twelve added added West Virginia um, in football. I it I uh, like I said I I very much very much could have been, but I just look at the most recent history and they've added they've added Houston, so they're not against adding a a a a program with a TV market, yet doesn't have a football program that's that's could right that looks like it could finish right now in the in the above you know, whatever the top finish in the top two thirds of the conference. I would say that, you know, Houston's had two or three, one or two lost seasons in the last 10 or 11 years. They have more money. They've had a huge amount of money influence or uh, injected into that athletic program. And it's a huge market, but actually in the market, UConn is like last I checked stores, Connecticut is not in New York city and there's not a uh, burgeoning amount of, uh, New Yorkers in Brooklyn and Queens or wherever that, you know, necessarily care about UConn football, but, you know, I guess point taken. But there's also a, a 30, whatever it is, the, the $30 million buyout or whatever that UConn would have as well. And I don't know how that would, how that would, how that would go. No. Um, I, but from a basketball standpoint, it'd be awesome. But what about, what about Arizona? So if let's, let's put, Connecticut on the on the on the back burner for a second. What about Arizona? I, mean, I think Arizona obviously gives you premier basketball. I think it gives you football that could be competent um, that we've seen be competent. Um, it gives you Phoenix, which is one of the you know biggest yeah. markets in the country and continues uh, to grow. I think that's a little more interesting. Um, and snowbirds are snowbirds and snowbirds. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think that gives you a little bit more. It seems to me that the westward expansion, and I know um, Arizona is only, or Phoenix is only in the Pacific time zone for half the year or whatever, but your mark has been pretty consistent about wanting that last time zone, right? So, again, to me, the super interesting thing here is Oregon and Washington. You know, how much... Yeah, pressure are they under right now to either try to save the Pac-12, and again, I don't know what that necessarily looks like, or to act in what may be in their best interest and just find a stable home. But again, if you're Oregon and you've had the success that you've had, you know, just going to the third best league feel like a huge win, or does trying to to figure out the Pac-12? more enticing you know you're home for however many decades i don't know that there are good answers here and i think we're obviously working with incomplete information compared to these athletic directors and school presidents and league commissioners but it it just seems hard to see what the pac-12 is going to look like in five or ten years but you know probably would have said the same thing about the big 10 or the big 12 two years ago when texas and oklahoma were on their way out and the big 12 obviously found a way to salvage it I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for the Pac-12, but you've seen so many poor decisions, so much inactivity, such, you know, I think naivete on the part of the Pac-12 that I don't know that there should be a lot of 
faith or trust that they'll find a solution here. Um, you know, given you know, they kind of back themselves into this own their their own corner here. And there's there's yes, I agree. But the, the Pac-12 will exist somehow. Um, it's not like it's going to it's it's not like it's going to expand or they're going to go to hell. Um, yes, I agree. With, I agree with Oregon. Um, you and I talked about this last week when when um, right you know when our podcast after the news of Colorado and and I looked I looked at Oregon a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think Oregon is is intriguing and. Um, you know, with the Nike money, obviously, um, that's that's a that's something. And yes, what'd you say, Phil Knight's ninety years old or whatever? But but anyway, um, I think I think that that would be intriguing as well. And plus, there's probably no exit fee for the Big Twelve or for the Pac twelve teams because the TV contract's done after two thousand twenty three twenty four. So. I, it's a it's a free for all, and Klyev Klyevkov, the commissioner, has been an absolutely horrible job at at being looking down at looking down the road, and maybe the athletic directors and and his staff have done a horrible job also. Telling him that hey, or, or suggesting to him that maybe they should start looking, but looking at a TV market a long time ago. But be that as it may, um, yeah, I, I, I like I like your Oregon, um, your Oregon suggestion. I don't know anything about Washington, so I won't even speak to that. But I like your Oregon, your Oregon suggestion. Um, I think I like your Arizona suggestion. I like your, it's everybody's already getting Arizona suggestion. I like Arizona or maybe Arizona state. Heck, I don't know. Um, I like that. I like that better. This is the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. When we come back, we'll talk some Iowa State football as the Cyclones get ready to start their trek towards the 2023 football season. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines talking all things college sports at the moment. Just got finished up talking about Colorado, the Pac-12, and Big 12 expansion. If you missed any of that, be sure to check out uh, the Cyclone Insider podcast. Wherever it is you listen to your podcast, we're now going to talk Cyclone football as Matt Campbell gets set to begin his eighth season in Ames. The uh, unofficial local start to college football season comes Friday as Iowa State welcomes the media into its doors for its annual media day. The uh, number one topic, unfortunately, is unlikely to be actual football. Uh, with Iowa State coming off a four and eight campaign, and now has a gambling probe still very much active and hanging over the program's head, we have had no names officially confirmed as part of the probe. Uh, we might have raised suspicions on uh, some names that have been rumored. Once we get to Friday, usually in these media day settings, 
all players except true freshmen are available to media. I'm sure there has been an exception or two of that under the previous seven uh, media days under Matt Campbell. I guess most notably COVID would probably fall uh, into there. But generally, if there is a player that the media wants to talk to or take a picture of or shoot video with, that player is made available. It's unclear if that will be the case on Friday, Iowa State announced that select players will be made available. And certainly, if there are prominent players, uh, say a starting quarterback or a starter at any position, frankly, that is requested and not made available, that will only raise uh, questions about that player's eligibility, fair or not. And I think, Randy, unless I'm missing something or Iowa State decides to handle things differently, uh, that will be the uh, the main news of the day come Friday. Yes, and that that is accurate. And I, I talked to um, somebody in Iowa State football media relations late last week, and I point blank I asked that person. I said, "Define selected players," and he said, "Just like last year." And I said, "I thought we had everybody last year," and he. He corrected me to say there were only 20 or 22 available last year. And to which I responded, okay, 20 or 22 available, then that's going to get us at least returning starters from last year's team available to us and, and top backups. And I, and that person said that he did not know who the selected people were going to be in that respect, but it's, we're not going to have the entire, the entire roster available, which we have. And, and we kind of went back and forth on this. I thought we'd had the whole roster available to us more times than not, but he said that, that Campbell in more recent years has cut it back and maybe so, but I remember times being out on the football field, the players are sitting up in the stands or under a tent somewhere, just standing around, hovering, not doing anything because nobody's talking to them. Um, that's certainly not going to be the case. And and I told I told I told the, the media relations person that that if we don't know anything by in the gambling situation by Friday, I said we're going to assume and probably and and correctly assume that the star that start returning starters from last year's team unavailable this year are part of the are part of the the gambling situation and I got no response. So I think I think it's fair game on, on Friday. We'll just have to wait and see though. Yeah, I mean I think we'll probably have to stop shot short of being hundred percent these players are involved, but certainly I mean We've been dealing with this gambling probe. Iowa State's been dealing with this gambling probe since May and has been able to keep things quiet. But we've been, you know, we're on the, the doorstep of the season. And if, you know, prominent players are not allowed to speak to the media, which historically they have been at Iowa State, that's, you'd have to uh, be pretty silly not to try to connect some dots or say it would be easy to connect these dots. I'm not necessarily connecting these dots but I can see the path from point A to point B is pretty prominent. So we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, I think everyone involved 
uh, in this probe and at Iowa State and certainly at Iowa as well. Would like a little bit of uh, movement just so everybody can have an understanding of what football season is going to look like. But criminal investigations move at their own pace and subsequent NCAA investigations move at their own pace. So there's not necessarily, I wouldn't be counting on a whole lot of closure on this issue coming soon, but we'll find out. Randy, on any uh, football-related issues, Yeah, hoping to find out anything. I mean, like we, we barely even talked about, hey, they've basically overhauled the offensive staff, new offensive coordinator, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, coming off really two disappointing seasons going back to 2021's seven and six campaign. And then in pretty miserable last two months of the season or two plus months of the seasons last year for Iowa state with just one win after that three and zero start, there are interesting things happening for this football team, both in terms of reasons to be optimistic and reasons to be a little frustrated if you're an Iowa state fan. And uh, we haven't had the chance probably to talk as much about them this summer because of the gambling probe. But I think, again, I think there's there's two sides of the ledger here. I think there's reasons to be optimistic. And I think there's reasons to look at this roster and the situation and and wonder, are you going to see a repeat of last year? Yeah, I want to I want to find out. I want to know what Jai, I want to know what Jairel's health is. I want to talk to Cartavius. Have we ever talked to Cartavius? By the way, I don't think the media has Cartavius ever spoken. Norton. I can't remember if we're talking to him. Maybe Norton. we have. I want to. I want to find out Cartavius about the running Norton. back situation. I want to find out how good. I want to find out about the quarterback stuff. Um, yeah, we've got uh, um, we've got some things we have to find out beyond beyond the gambling. So I think it'll be very interesting. Very, re- I don't know how revealing on Friday morning. Yeah, it'll be uh, an interesting Friday for sure. Be an interesting preseason. And then we're right into Matt Campbell's eighth year at Iowa State uh, with lots to learn. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines. This has been the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. If you missed any of it, check it out wherever you get your podcast. But thanks for listening, and we'll check you next time.